Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Australia is the 31st nation to stamp its ticket to the main event. Commiserations to Peru and, of course, LME. But today, it's about the Socceroos. After 120 minutes plus penalty kicks, extra time PKs, you got it all. They're returning to the World Cup for the fifth time. Kegolasso begins right now. I'm Michael LaHood. And, of course, joining me is one only Jimmy Conrad. Hi, Mike LaHood. How are you doing? Great to see you as always. I just want to say for the record that Peru didn't have a meaningful game for a few months. And Australia had the benefit of playing UAE earlier this week. So I feel like you get your nerves out because it looked like Peru were just a little timid. It didn't have maybe the yeah. same swagger that they had through World Cup qualifying. So I kind of wanted to start my overall sentiments and, and uh, thoughts about this game right there because I think it did matter. I don't think Australia did much to go out and win the game over 90 minutes, but they looked pragmatic. They didn't look as maybe as let's say they weren't timid either. There's so much to say. $12 million, by the way, if whoever won that game got $12 million wow. to the Federation. Yeah, so it's a pretty big deal. Big money game. It's a shame it had to go down to penalties, but uh, it has to get decided some in some way, Michael Hood. Yeah, I, you know, going into this game, I, I think if you look on this, on just on the lineup sheet, and if you judge this game solely based on talent and the talent of these teams and, and really the form of these two teams, you'd have to give the advantage to Peru. But this is why you play these playoff games. And this is why if you're a South American team, you don't want to end up in these playoff games because they're a one-off. Anything can happen. And from, you know, from your vantage point, Jimmy, what did you think Peru, what got them into trouble as this game got going? I think there was maybe some indecisiveness in the final third. For the mm. most part, it seemed like not that they set out to do what they wanted to do. Obviously, you got to hit the back of the net, but it seemed like once they got into that space, it, it just maybe they I don't know. It's tough when you play in big games and leaning on my my flex of the day, my my own yeah. World Cup experience. <laughs> okay, yeah. the The way that people play at that level is in, it's insane. I mean, you are you're not just playing for yourself. I mean this looked like a World Cup game to me and not a World Cup game to me in the group stage because yeah. in the group stage, the first two games, everything feels possible. Obviously, the third game, it gets really decisive, but it felt more like a World Cup knockout round game mm. where you lose and you go home. And so sometimes we see some of those games or even big finals, Champions League finals, last three of them have been 1-0 where there's so much riding on this. You don't want to be the one player that makes the mistake. You don't want to be the one player that that has to answer questions as to why your team didn't win or didn't book their ticket or whatever that is. So so it, it just, the approach by all of the players is a little bit different. And so the margins are very, very fine as to where you're going to get an advantage. And I thought Australia yeah. did a really good job of just trying to play for set pieces. You could feel a little bit of uh, some impatience from Peru. Almost yeah. not that they were entitled to take that, that they were better than Australia. And on paper, they were. 
and and we could argue they, they had to survive a much more difficult region to even get to this point than Australia did. But it just felt like there was some impatience there from Peru. They were too eager to score and or maybe rushing it and forcing it as opposed to letting the game develop, letting the game. And we talk about this a lot when we do our U.S. Men's National Team podcast in Soccer We Trust, shameless plug. <laughs> but but, but taking, taking what the game gives you. Yeah. And it felt like Peru was maybe trying to force it a little bit. And that just played into Australia's hands, who I thought were just pretty smart, not trying to overcommit with their energy and try to play for some set pieces. Got those one or two opportunities at the end. Uh, Gallese finally made his first save, you know, after 80-some yeah. minutes. But both teams... Nobody really wanted to put their neck out there and take a risk. And, and I think that showed until they had to take a risk with penalties. Well, watching this game, an Australian team in the last match against UAE who were dominated in possession, they were the one who were leading the charge in possession. Was this down to Peru kind of having some nerves or was it down to maybe they're missing some players? I think of the impact of maybe Ayoshi Yotun, what he could have done in this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could also throw out Raul Rui Diaz, who yeah. hasn't really featured for Peru for a while. It's clear that uh, Gareca, the, the manager of Peru, the Argentine, he just doesn't play well when he plays for Peru. He plays well for the Sounders, but for whatever reason, yeah. it doesn't translate to his country in a consistent manner. So it's just one of those games where I think Raul Rui Diaz maybe could have helped. You know, he might have been mm. one of those things. And I'll give a shout out to the Australian coach for Graham Arnold for for taking a risk at the end by switching goalkeepers, taking out his captain, Matt Ryan, yeah. and bringing in uh, some guy that looks like one of those things at a car wash. Right? <laughs> Andrew, like, Redmayne. Yeah, Andrew, yeah. Redmayne. Andrew Redmayne. Yeah, Andrew Redmayne, which doesn't even sound like a real name. It's like this made-up no. fictional story. And he looks like one of those car wash on the corner type things. Oh, yeah. come, come to our strip mall business and come check out. And he's doing all this kind of crazy stuff, and it was a bit inspired, but he knew he had to try to do something. He, he, he took a risk, and it ultimately – paid off i don't know if his antics ultimately paid off if, if nobody's seen it you got to go look up what's his name andrew redmayne and yeah big and, beard and, big beard yeah it looks like nat borchers uh, <laughs> portland yeah. timbers version of nat borchers just just go look at the penalties somewhere online and see this guy's antics before he steps up and uh and tries to save a penalty but you know he that just the manager took a risk there when it doesn't look like statistically that goalkeeper had really any right. I mean, your captain's Matt Ryan. Yeah. You want to stick with your captain to see you through to a World Cup, but it paid off. This this guy, Andrew Redmayne, only three caps, 33 years old, and they put him in with like a minute left so he could do penalties, and, and it ultimately worked out. It's tough. It's For me, penalties are a coin flip, LaHood. But Yeah, oh my gosh. You know, but but Peru, <laughs> not that they had like these opportunities to to... That's exactly right. We're watching it right now. Yeah, our producer Des Norris. Man. He was on it. He was on it. Found, found the, the gif, the gif that keeps on giving. But um, I, I just, with regard to, they were, I thought Peru was okay getting the ball through the middle third and, and hmm. maybe not created those numerical advantages as, as much as they probably like. But I just thought Australia was committed to playing defense. And, and when you have that, you have to take your chances. And if, and if you don't, you're just going to give that team that's defending, defending, defending that one opportunity. And they didn't even get it. They created one that maybe yeah. could have been a goal, but but it just led to penalties. And, and again, it's a coin flip. I, I thought substitutions made the difference for Australia up until they made those two subs. I think of Jamie McLaren, who I expected yeah. to start this match coming off the bench. He did the same, such an impact sub, spark plug for this Australian team in the UAE game to then turn the tide. And then Mabil... The you know, Kenyan-born yes. refugee, what a great story he is to step yeah. up, come in, yeah. and also create that chance towards the end of the match. They could have seen them go 1-0. But just one last thing about Peru. 
Peru, so much experience in this team from the 2018 World Cup. I think of Christian Cueva, who I thought was very quiet, didn't have one of his best games. And Carrillo, Andre Carrillo, do you think that Gareca got it wrong with maybe taking him out? Or was it just an off day completely for Peru? Well, so, so with regard to Cueva in particular, where's the number 10 shirt for Peru? What I find interesting, and I've seen this before, and I'll, I'll leave names nameless, and I'm sure you've seen it before too, where you want your best players to be available for penalties, Michael LaHood. Mm-hmm. And the fact that all of a sudden Cueva has a bit of a cramp or whatever, I, I listen, the pressure must be, I can't even imagine the amount of pressure to step up and, and to even play in this game and, and to have to put the country on your back and try to make a play, but then to have to do it in penalties. Sometimes yeah. that can be emotionally overwhelming, especially if you're tired and, and I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to cast any doubt on this guy, but I would rather have a 50% Christian Cueva hitting a penalty than some 100% guy that doesn't play for us very often. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, oh, yeah. it's interesting when that happens. And I've seen some top players uh, shy away from penalties. We saw it with England in, in the Euro final, where now you're relying on some of your youngest players, Bukayo Saka, to, to step up as opposed to getting a more experienced veteran name out there to step up because it is it's a lot and a lot of people don't know if they can handle that type of thing until they get there so i thought that was interesting i might be casting some extra drama to this he might have had a significant (laughs) injury but i but if i'd rather him take i mean what is how much energy does it really take to take a penalty Uh, it it takes more emotional more emotional energy than physical and for a chance to to send your your country to a world cup why wouldn't you want to step up and really embrace that that opportunity as opposed to shying away from it that's it, so yes it becomes mental it becomes emotional and and he didn't have a great game but I don't I don't mind Carrillo and Cueva getting out there I mean it, it, it wasn't due to Peru like I said that their their middle third transition wasn't bad it was just in the attacking third it just felt a little disconnected which also in conjunction with that was Australia just playing really good defense right and just making yeah. it very difficult and they're fighting. That's the thing at that level. Everything you're fighting for everything. You're fighting for the inches that could end up making the difference. You're, you think you got a clear header, dude? You're going to get an elbow to the face if you're Absolutely. going to get that clear. Like you're going to get something. There's no, no. You're not going to get any freebies. Sometimes when you know you play pickup, sometimes now too. Yeah. Where there's always one guy out there who's trying to show you up, and then all of a sudden you kind of raise your game, and then you're like, hey, listen, I'm just not giving you anything for free. I don't mind. Yeah, sure, you might show me up. You might beat me one time or two, but but. I'm still not going to give you any freebies, you know? And I feel like when you get to that level, there's just no freebies in any part of the game, small passes, whatever. But I just thought maybe the, the, it just, Peru looked like they were missing some pass. They just didn't have that swagger that I thought I saw when we were doing Comibo qualifying coverage. Yeah. Well, you mentioned him before, Raul Ruri Diaz. When you want, when you get in the PKs, you want attackers. Is that a guy that they're going to look back on and Rue, pun intended, not having him? <laughs> in in the 18 because that's an attacker that's a guy who's scoring goals for fun no matter what league he's in he's full of confidence that's a guy that you now have on your team that could step up peru had two defenders step up to take a pk alexander collins he is mr calm cool and collected in penalty kicks leading new york city fc to an mls cup last year Mm -hmm. and another defender the right back from boca juniors misses his penalty kick if that's a striker, it could be a different conversation. Well, that leads to Cueva, it leads to Rui Diaz. I mean, it leads to, yeah, a couple guys that in those tough moments, when you're trying to book your ticket to a World Cup, those are the players that you want out there representing you. And it's a shame that Cueva, you know, it could be subconscious, right? I mean, you're like, oh, I got to camp. I can't move anymore. I got to come off kind of thing. But 
for all of us, and I mean, we've been friends with with uh, Luis Miguel Chigaray LME for for quite some time. He's been an un- unbelievable host from Kegelasso yeah, from its infancy. Absolutely. I wanted Peru to go through for him, and obviously the crowd support. Can we give a shout out to the Peruvians? Now, don't disrespect. <laughs> I got this from one of my when I went to Australia. One of my Socceroos buddies gave me one of these jerseys, so so I have a connection to to Australia as well. But but I was pulling for Peru. I thought it'd been very cool to have their like. I mean, how many fans traveled to Qatar just to support their team? So I'm a bit heartbroken for them. But but um, you still got to go out there and make plays. And and let's the thing is, we could really sit here and and overanalyze and micromanage the penalties. But if you want to book your ticket to a World Cup, you got to get the job done in 90 minutes. And you actually had an extra 30 to get it done before penalties as well. So what's interesting is if you remember the second half of the second extra time, Peru started to actually combine a little bit more and looked yeah. a little bit more dangerous. Dude, we're like 120. I'm like 110 <laughs> minutes. I'm, fine, I'm like, finally, finally, yeah. they started to play 10 minutes before penalties. It's like too little, too late, boys. Yeah, well, you look at the stats. Their first shot on goal in the 99th minute, and it's a sub, Edison Flores coming off the bench to line one up. And then in the second half of extra time, he gets that header that could have just yeah. rewritten history and Peru. And now he's the most famous man in Peru next <laughs> to LME. And LME will definitely be the most famous man in New York City. You can find him at some pub drowning his sorrows. <laughs> and the, 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 we talk about wanting to win this for him. It's his birthday. It's his birthday. Happy birthday to you, LME. Sorry I couldn't get it done. And you know, I'm just gonna say that's a shit birthday for LME. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe just maybe. Could home you right imagine? <laughs> like if the, if the U.S. didn't qualify on my birthday, I'd be so disappointed. I'd be like gutted. Like my birthday is always attached to the lack of qualification. So. Oh geez, no, but but yes, of course that that header does ultimately prove to be the difference. But or could have been if it did. You know, if it had gone in. But again, why did why did it take 99 minutes, 100 minutes, 105 minutes for for that type of emphasis? to to maybe start to play with that type of urgency it just felt it it just felt both teams this is an isolated to peru both teams just felt like they were playing a little bit safe i would actually say this mm. australia felt like they were playing a little bit more safe by design and mm. peru just felt like they were playing safe because they were just a little nervous you know it, it was yeah. maybe approaching it in two different ways and once you see you've been out there enough peru i mean uh Lahoud, and and so have Everybody watching, I mean, you've played at some point, I hope. And if you haven't, you should sign up and play because it's an amazing <laughs> score. But but when one or two of your teammates doesn't have confidence, it, it does start to permeate to everybody else on the team. Absolutely. And, and, and then all of a sudden, when you get the ball, maybe you're the one player that has confidence. You're like, am I going to play it to that dude? Because he's he's probably going to lose it, you know? And so you start to have these like these little doubts that come in. And it just seemed like that type of, not necessarily negative. I think they wanted it. I just think there was a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. And I think that tension permeated to the rest of the team. And they just didn't, it's unfortunate because if you're going to lose, and I say this to the guys I coach now, like, I don't, let's, let's, let's lose being ourselves. Let's not lose because we're timid. You know what I mean? And I there's, there's yeah, a really big distinction there. And I felt like Peru lost today because they were timid. And that, that, that must suck. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about doubt permeating through the team. Is there doubt that now permeates around the world about Comnable that there's only four teams represented in the World Cup this coming you know, fall winter? No, that's a good question. I would say that with Argentina taking down Italy, with the battle of the Euro and South American champions, and with how well Brazil and Argentina have been playing in particular, obviously Ecuador 
is uh, going to be someone I wouldn't want to face in this particular uh, competition. Uruguay, we just saw him with the U.S., you know, very solid. They just got you know, Darwin Nunez making a big move to Liverpool. And, they, you know, they're littered with a lot of experience and, and talented players, a nice mix of young and old with Uruguay. You know, I, th- I think really the drop-off is what if they had a different representative there? I mean, Colombia should have been, at, at the minimum, Colombia should have been the fifth team. They had so much talent, and that is who underperformed for me. Peru, in some ways, overachieved to get to this point, in my humble opinion. Uh, Chile just is too old, relying on older guys. But Colombia is the team that I thought really blew it. And and it had been Colombia versus Australia today. I I feel like uh, they would have gone through for sure. Yeah, just it seems like at the end of an era for some teams, the Chile's, the you know Colombia, they're still trying to figure themselves out. And with this Peruvian team, they're they're not a young team. Some of these players now entering thirty plus, some of the twilight of their career. Mm-hmm. A lot to be corrected, a lot to be dissected. And as we look at the World Cup, now Australia qualified the Aussies, team number thirty one <laughs> out of qualification. <laughs> Who would have thunk? And for that, they get the grand prize of going into Group D which for some, that could be a tough one. You get to play the defending world champions, France, and then, of course, the Danish, who seem to be resurgent in their own right with what they've done in the Nations League, recent result against France, and, of course, Tunisia. Well, less to say about them, the better. Uh, No, of course, they're there for a reason. (laughs) No one from Tunisia, call me up. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But um, what, what are Australia's chances in this group? Well, let's start with France. I mean, they're kind of necessarily in the mud. I just feel like the last time they won a World Cup in 98, they got they got knocked out in the group stages in 2002. They are a team that has shown that they will implode at times. It's not easy to repeat as World Cup champions. Even the last one, uh, Germany won it in 14, got grouped in the group stages in 2018. So, so there is some history that if you win a World Cup, it's hard to maybe find that same gear that helped you win it in the first place. Now, I think that France is in a unique situation because they just have too much talent. So who's, yeah. <laughs> who's the best 11? What's your best formation? And, and that is the big problems. I think that Didier Deschamps has now, now they're with four nations league games. They've, they only have two points. They're at the bottom of their group. They lost to, to Denmark two one on June 3rd. Then they drew with Croatia 1-1. Then they drew with Austria 1-1. And then they just lost to Croatia again 1-0. Uh, Luka Modric had a penalty. And that was that was earlier today. So they're at the bottom of their table. Denmark, conversely, who's also in this group, is on top of the table. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's interesting times for France. Listen, there's no question. I'm not going to sit here and say that they couldn't go out and win the whole tournament. They 1,000% could because they have the depth and some incredible talent and they have the experience of done it, doing it before. I think that matters, but I don't want to discount what Australia can do because they've, they yeah. showed today that they can hang in there. They could, they can be resolute that they don't need to have the ball. As you mentioned against UAE, they don't need to have the ball to feel comfortable. So they're clearly, and this is another message that I talk about and what we've heard when we were players too, Lahoud, we, th- that the teams that are comfortable with being uncomfortable are the ones that end up having a lot of success. And it looks like, or consistent, mm. getting consistent results. Because they, it's okay if they don't have the ball. They don't, they don't panic. They don't get tense. They don't, you know, it's just like, all right, it's cool. They have it. But we're giving yeah. them the ball where they want it. So there's something there. Australia is going to be a massive underdog, which I think plays outside of the Tunisia game. 
So if they think they can get a point from France or Denmark and then beat Tunisia, I mean, they're in it maybe potentially with one win, one loss and one draw to maybe sneak into the round of 16. So I wouldn't count out the Socceroos at this point, but mm. given what we've seen and, and what they did in qualifying and how they basically, you know, inched their way into the spot, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have high hopes for them to get out of the group, but. You know, they all, now they've got this fresh breath. They're playing with house money at this point. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah, it almost seems like their World Cup was made by defying the odds to get to this World Cup. Massive upset on the world stage today in the Middle East. Australia triumphant over Peru. And just a quick call to action as we sh- shift over to more of the games to come. Where do you think Australia is going to finish? I've seen some of you say France 1, Denmark 2, Tunisia 3. But type in the chat where you think Australia is going to finish. And, I think I, you know, I think we should let everybody know too how the group's going to play out. So France plays yeah. Australia first, and Denmark plays Tunisia. So just given current form, and and I'll say Denmark wins that one. So they're on three. Let's just play. Let's just let's just play this out, everybody. And then and then France <laughs> most likely should beat Australia. So Denmark and France yeah. both have three. Tunisia Australia is game two, and then Denmark and France play each other game two, which is really interesting. Because that's where I think things could change. Because if, if they lose, if Australia lose that first game, but then beat Tunisia, they got three. And that means if France beat Denmark or Denmark beat France, you know, one of them's only got three, the other one's got six. So it's going to come down to that, that game three. That's all Australia wants. And, if, and from a U.S. perspective, if I'm being realistic and leaving my super bias behind it, you just <laughs> want to have a chance going into to the third game of a group. And, and and a legitimate chance. Not like you have to win 6-0 or whatever to go through. Like, but but you just have to win the game or you just need a draw to go through. So so again, the way this is set up, Australia playing France first, not great, but at least they have five months now to prepare for that game. And I'm sure they have enough evidence of how they could maybe potentially break down France. And I think it's going to look very similar to what they saw against in Peru, just to give everybody a heads up, a real tease five months in advance. They're going to sit back <laughs> and if they're going to try to get those set pieces and if they can score on a set piece, they will. But they're probably not going to score against France in the run of play. Mm, so, so many of our viewers and fans tuning in, they're saying Australia, a lot of Australia fourth, couple Australia thirds. And I saw one hot take. One of our fans gave a hot take and said France will not make it through and the Aussies will get the better of them. You need to go and get a lotto ticket, put that bet in <laughs> because you are going to be the richest man at the World Cup. If you get that, you see the odds to win group D France at minus 250 Denmark plus 275 the aussies at plus 1000 and don't sleep on tunisia but you can sleep on tunisia you'll be sleeping (laughs) on a bed of cash tunisia at plus 2000 we're going to go to break up next after the break we're going to be talking the other playoff match tomorrow costa rica versus new zealand jimmy conrad michael lahoud here see you after the break passion drive and patience What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. Welcome back to Kegelasso, Michael Ahood, Jimmy Conrad, the one and only World Cup playing Jimmy Conrad as we talk about the FIFA World Cup. Ah, heavy flex on that. So if you're not going to flex, I'll flex for you. Thank you. I appreciate Former that. Former teammate. Yeah. And he's got the Aussie kit on for good reason, picking the right team. So we say commiserations to our one and even saw someone say prayers for LME. Pray for the bar tab that's going to be coming tonight because he's earned it for his birthday and the result. Let's shift pray, over. Let's pray for his wife who's got to take care of him after <laughs> yeah. he stumbles back into the house. Jen, yeah, Jen, please, please. You're, if you're watching the show, please. Uh, let's shift over to tomorrow's. Intercontinental playoff, Costa Rica, Costa Rica was Costa Rica, the Ticos playing against the Kiwis, New Zealand. This is a really interesting matchup. If you thought that Peru were the favorites going with this one, Costa Rica have to be the heavy favorites. The CONCACAF nation going up against the Kiwi nation. And, you know, Jimmy, what do you see in this matchup? Costa Rica not really starting well in their CONCACAF, you know, World Cup qualifying, and then ending with an emphatic result against the U.S., although it was the B team for Costa Rica, the U.S. doing a little bit of game management, but they really have a golden opportunity on their hands against New Zealand. Yeah, what's what's interesting is that was the one game, I thought, of qualifying against the U.S., the last one where the U.S. had already qualified, where Costa Rica played their younger players. And I think that the fans have been clamoring for that for a while because they've been relying on some of their older guys for a long time with Borges and and uh, Brian Ruiz in particular. And they're ready for their younger generation to step up. And the younger generation looked pretty good against the U.S., albeit, as you mentioned, a B team that had already qualified. So the intensity level was a little bit different. But not only did they beat the U.S. in the last game of World Cup qualifying, they won four straight, which included beating Canada as well. So mm. what they're very good at is as being stout defensively, which really sets up well for trying to win a game of this magnitude. We have to not give up chances and you have to maximize the ones that you get in Costa Rica. I thought we're one of the better teams in all of CONCACAF to do that because they didn't create a lot of chances, but yet here they find yeah. themselves 90 minutes away from booking their ticket and $12 million, by the way, <laughs> go to their Federation. Now they just had a couple of nations league games and they did well on those. Joel Campbell scored. He's a confidence guy up top. So him scoring goals is important. He'll be starting this one against the Kiwis. Uh, Keeler Navas is Back in the team, he didn't play in the Nations League games, but he's here. And anytime he's in goal, if Navas is in goal, you always have a chance. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't emphasize that enough. Now, Chris Wood has scored 33 goals for the Kiwis in 67 caps. That's a pretty good rate of return, like once every two games. They need him to step up and score. So that's a cool battle to watch, Chris Wood versus Keeler Navas. So this is, uh, is going to be fun. This is going to be a good game. I, I expected to kind of have the same type of feel as what we saw today between Peru yeah. and Australia, where who wants to really stick their neck out there and maybe try to make something. I mean, you're hopeful that something will fall your way and you can take advantage of it, but that's different than actually going out there and taking the initiative and playing on the front foot. And, and I'm curious because not only were, you know, all of us watching Australia, Peru, so were Costa Rica and New Zealand. I mean, they can see the coaches can see, Hey, 
This is where Peru made mistakes. Let's not be Peru today. Or, hey, this mm. is how Australia didn't take advantage. Let's not be us. I would do that if I was on the coaching staff of either one of these, these countries. So, again, as much as people maybe were sleeping on Australia, you can't do the same. Or you can't do the same thing with, with New Zealand. They've got players that will go out there and fight and are going to make it very difficult. They have a talisman up top in Chris Wood who can score goals. And now it's just a matter of who's going to take that one or two chance that one or two chances that might might pop up and then book your ticket. I mean, that's that's what we're looking at. And again, I, I'm going to really liken it to a World Cup group stage game because that's a winner go home possibility as well. And that's where things get a little bit tighter. Well, we just saw that graphic there for our producer, Des Norris. Thank you very much, Des. New Zealand, no stranger to these playoff games because of the, the coefficients and the rankings mm-hmm. and Oceanic Federation. They have to play these playoff games to get to the World Cup. 2010, that was a memorable year for New Zealand, beating Bahrain to get to the World Cup. Not so much in uh, 2014 against Mexico, took a hammering, and also against the one Peru in 2018. How does this stack up? How is this matchup different from some of those previous teams they, they've seen? Is it is it kind of less of a powerhouse name and that gives them a chance? Or how do they match up against Costa Rica? Outside of Carol Navas, you know, what does New Zealand do well? Well, I, I think what they have is similar to what we saw from Australia. Some of these intangibles. And in, in in, in this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but but in the team spirit, right? I mean, there, there's something about having a collective understanding of how you want to move. And I I'm, I guess I'm trying to decide, and, and anybody that wants to chime in in the comments or hit us up at Pod on Twitter or Lahoud, I want you to get your thoughts too. I don't actually know which team is the favorite and which one is the underdog. <laughs> now, I'm sure the bookies have Costa Rica. My guess is that Costa Rica is the slight favorite here. But but with regard to, to the Kiwis, they've always had that chip on their shoulder. They're always the underdog to your point about always having to play playoffs. They don't even get the respect of, of getting an automatic qualification. If they win Oceana, their region, they always have to go through a playoff to, to get that respect. And I think that hardens them a little bit in in a way that if we're going to do this, we have to do this together. We can't rely on one or two players to make it happen. We can't rely on the Lapadulas or, or whatever that Peru need to Cuevas today to come up and step up and make the play. We're going to have to do it as a collective team and I think that's really powerful especially when you especially when you only have 90 minutes to try to go out and get a result and so that's why I think New Zealand and their game style and their their I I think now I could talk about their past but I think this 90 minutes here Lahoud just is different and I think there's a lot to take away from this Australia performance that New Zealand might try to mimic just be patient they they what's interesting is I don't know who wants possession in this one because I've seen (laughs) New Zealand drop off and, and absorb but then Costa Rica yeah. loves dropping off and absorbing because they're usually outgunned and outmatched in CONCACAF. And so it's just be like, well, no, you can have the ball. I don't, I don't want it, you know? So it's just going to be interesting to see who really takes the initiative in the front foot in this one. I could see New Zealand taking it, especially if Costa Rica doesn't want it because they do set up pretty deep. But, but that said, I mean, Costa Rica is so comfortable with, as I mentioned before, being uncomfortable. It doesn't phase them if they don't have the ball. You just have to be really thoughtful about how they hit you on the counter. And I think New Zealand has to know that. I mean, both of these teams have been preparing for these opponents, which is also really intriguing to be able to look at a, at a team and an opponent for months on end and try to decide how you want to break them down. And then ultimately, it's just a matter of the players going out there and executing. But I will say each one is going to adapt a little bit and have a little something mm. of a different look. So it's going to be up to the coaching staff to identify where they can maybe take advantage of these new adaptations and and then take advantage. But man, there's so much at stake in these games. And that's why we love it, right? I mean, we love... 
that uh, we get down to this point in the competition and now we're booking our last ticket to the World Cup. Yeah, I love what you said about who wants to take the initiative in this game. And, and rather than looking at the, the ball as hot potato and get out of your own end, a player for New Zealand, yes, they have Chris Wood up front, a guy you're very familiar with who yeah. plays for no, 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 Newcastle. Newcastle. Winston Reed. Sometimes I forget he plays for the New Zealand National Team. Sometimes <laughs> I, I forget he like plays football at all. <laughs> I know. Uh, he's, as a former center back, Jimmy, how important is he going to be? He hasn't played a competitive match. I think he played one competitive match in the last year, maybe two, for New Zealand. Hasn't played competitive football since leaving mutual contract termination from West Ham United. How important is he going to be against Costa Rica? Because Joel Campbell, on his day, if he's confident, as you said, he can be a handful. No, of course. I mean, Winston Reed for me or anybody that is of an age that's maybe on the wrong side <laughs> of 30, I think as the phrase goes, you know, he's he's logged a lot of miles on his legs and he wasn't very quick to, to begin with. So when you have a player of his experience, it's really, really vital, I think, in terms of communication and putting guys in good spots, putting out fires before they start is one of the one of the main jobs as a center back. So when him back there, there is probably an air of confidence and ease because of his communication. That has to be of the utmost importance. Now, it will be kind of funny to see Winston Reed and potentially Brian Ruiz, who's 36 years old for Costa Rica, trying to sprint after a ball up over the top, you know, because I don't know <laughs> if those guys are anywhere near what they used to be. But but I don't – that's another reason why I don't know if New Zealand's going to stretch out because if mm. they stretch themselves out and they leave a Brian Ruiz or, or more importantly, a Joel Campbell isolated with a Winston Reed, Joel Campbell's going to win every single one of those duels. Yeah. He's just going to be able to get to the ball first. He can turn and play. I could see, I mean, if you're going to have a betting man, I mean, Winston Reed to get a yellow is probably a, a good value there, but that I don't think that they're going to the Kiwis are going to allow themselves to be exploited in that way, which means they're probably going to sit a six right in front of them, but that doesn't allow them yeah. to maybe attack with the same type of energy that you'd like. Right. So there's a lot, there's a lot here, but again, like, like we've seen with all these teams, experience matters. And in those key moments, you want to have players that have been there before and, and have seen certain types of plays thousands and thousands of times and also are vocal leaders both on and off the field. Oh, you talk about people who are most liable to get a card. An MLSer, you're familiar with him, Francisco Calvo, would not be surprised if there's multiple colors of cards <laughs> uh, waiting for him in that matchup. And looking at the group, the winner of this match gets the golden ticket into Group E, which is probably yeah. one of the closest things to the group of death. Not many group of deaths in this World Cup, but this is a difficult group to be a part of. You got Spain, Germany. The Germans seem to be doing their thing. Younger group. Uh, and, of course, Japan, who perform at World Cups, always find a way to get out of groups. You know, Spain ranks 7th in the world. Germany, 12th. Japan, 23rd top 25 teams in this group how do you think the whoever wins this match how do you think they're going to fare in this group yeah not not well i think they're going to have a cup of coffee they're going to be like see you in 2026 i don't think it's going to last very long for either one of these teams <laughs> and i say that with all due respect to new zealand and costa rica now when i think back to costa rica and doing the improbable they were in the group of death in 2014, the World Cup in Brazil, where they had Italy and they had England and they had Uruguay. And they won that group. They yeah. won that group. The scary <laughs> part, everybody, is that eight, that's eight years ago. And they're still relying on the same players, you know? So, so imagine the mileage these guys have had after eight years. Now, I do think, though, and this also speaks to the Peru and Australia game today, there are players on both sets of teams, New Zealand and... and um, 
wow, I just lost my train of thought. New Zealand and Costa Rica, who this is it. Like this is, this is going to be their last World Cup. They've got no other chance after this. So imagine that yeah. type of urgency, Lahoud, that this is, you could realize a dream here. Not only will your country get 12 million bucks and you have all that, but this is it for you. Like this could, this could be the end of your career if this doesn't go the way that you want. And so imagine playing with that type of energy as well. That, that would be something special. And I think you don't get tired when you have that type of energy. Yeah, and I love how you said that about the, just the onus you take it on personally to just realize a dream. The last chance could be the last dance for this golden generation of Costa Rican. Well, talk about energy and not getting tired. Big news coming out in world football today. The IFAB, say that 10 times fast, the IFAB comes out with news that they are going to permanently allow five substitutions, not one, not two, not, like LeBron said, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five substitutions, and also expand it to a 26-man roster. What are your thoughts? And we'll make the, the final thoughts, Jimmy. What are your thoughts on that breaking news? Yeah, beautiful. I love it. I think that uh, given the amount of games that these – organizations put these players through having some of their interests at heart is probably for the best, uh, both physically and emotionally. And I think it's really smart now for everybody that doesn't know with those five subs, you can still only make three substitutions during the game. So you have to make two of those with two subs coming in, which I think is, is important to know. You can't just make five individual (laughs) subs throughout the game. You have to make at least uh, you have five subs, but there are only three windows to make those five subs. And I think that's interesting that you have to like at maybe at two, two points in the game have to switch out two players, maybe, maybe three if you want, which we've seen before. So, so I love it. I think that uh, it gives your team more flexibility. I know that there are some critics of this out there or there were at one point saying that it favors the big clubs in every, you know, mm-hmm. in every league or maybe favors the big national team or whatever, whatever. Yeah, but that. but that doesn't phase me. I mean, if anything, it just allows fresh legs from the lower tier teams to go out there and run and kick people to make it hard too. I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a silver lining for both sides here. And I think that actually initially when they were pushing back, I think that's just kind of gone. It's like, no, nah, you're just, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. This is going to be a good thing. And I think it is a good thing. And then from a 26 man roster thing, that's exciting because it, I think it allows you to potentially bring in a younger player that maybe you didn't want to take a risk on and give that that player a chance to not necessarily be a vital cog of this particular World Cup, but knowing that that player will be in four years, possibly, right? Potentially. So so there's that component to it. You can also take a risk on a player. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you know, because the World Cup's in the middle of a club season in Europe, maybe some player scores 10 goals and you're like, wow, that guy came out of nowhere. Well, let's just take a flyer on him because mm-hmm. we already had our 23, but now that we have three extra spots, this gives us that luxury to go out and try to maybe find the hot hand and see if that player can, can come in and do the business. So yeah, I love it. I think it's a good thing. And, and uh, it's going to help a couple more people around the world realize their dreams of representing the country in the biggest tournament in the world. Yeah. I, I think, think of some of the teams that are going to benefit from that going into a world cup. I think of a team like the U S national team, who so many roster spots are being jostled for, and it's fine margins outside your Pulisic's, your McKinney's. I also think of a team like Belgium, who have, Mm -hmm. they just keep pumping Belgium, Spain, Germany, so many talented young players. And, you know, you need these players. You want these players on the biggest stages. And, you know, for those teams, fortunately, now there's extra space Jimmy Conrad, though. France and England fall into that as well, right? I mean, you just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great shout. There's there's a couple players that you're like, ah, but now you don't have to do the hammer haw anymore, right? It kind of, you can bring them in and 
And uh, yeah, there's still going to be some players that have hurt feelings that aren't going to make it, but but it allows you to maybe bring in those couple that that probably deserve it, but we're on the fence, you know. Yeah, I think this is a big move to move the game forward in the right direction. I agree. And don't forget about that 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 big thing called heat that awaits all of them at the World Cup. Jimmy Conrad, always a pleasure. Former teammate, mentor, friend, legend. Uh, quick question for you as we sign off: Which kit are you wearing tomorrow? Because you're you're one for oh. one this week. Yeah, I'm gonna go Ticos. We gotta have Tico's, more Concacaf okay. represent. Yeah, more Concacaf representation represent. in the World okay. Cup. Yeah, with all due respect to my Kiwi friends. I'm going Tico's all day, every day. Also, everybody, hit like and subscribe and turn on your notifications. It's really important here. That's what I heard on the YouTubes. <laughs> Thanks, the hood. This guy's well a beast. It's always fun to hang out oh, with you. Man. It's great to see your beautiful face, my friend. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Legend, as always. Thank you all for tuning in to K Golasso. This has been awesome. Live recap. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully, someone finds LME somewhere in New York. Uh, give him some aspirin and some tissues. And wish him a happy birthday. Sorry, bud. We'll see you tomorrow, though. It's been awesome. Bye. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.